Welcome to Hami Media Group, or as the cool kids say, HMG. We're here to provide you with the very best entertainment alternative media has to offer. Thank you to all our supporters who have made us what we are today. Follow us on social media, video, and podcast platforms at Hami Media Group. Become a subscriber to Hami Media Group at Patreon.com for great free daily content as well as off-the-top-rope extras. Subscribe to our affiliate Patreon channels with a plethora of fun content on various tiers that will bring tears of joy to your eyes. Vince Russo's The Brand, The Rip Rogers FR Podcast, Stevie Ray TV, Goldilocks, The A Show with Aaron Stevens and April Hunter, The Two-Man Power Trip, Velvet Sky and Angelina Love, The Beautiful People, and now... The Larry Hankin Stories. Support your favorite HMG and independent pro wrestling talent at ProWrestlingTees.com. Enjoy the ultimate meal with Zordo's Ultra Premium Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Head over to ZordosOliveOil.com. Start your day with the best cup of joe, bro. Try a fantastic selection of flavorful coffee blends at TheBrosters.com. StevieRichardsFitness.com. Get off that couch and make a healthy change without leaving your home. Amazing resistance band and yoga workout programs at an affordable price that will help you become a band new you. Hear from the pros who live the biz, bro, with talent that have worked for every major organization led by the man who put the attitude back in pro wrestling and in your ear holes. It's gotta be russosbrand.com bro again we'd like to thank you for joining us here at hmg and now it's time to be entertained The Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. My powers have doubled since the last time we met Count. Hey! Suffering. Death, I fear. Something terrible has happened. Young Skywalker is in dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. It's all Obi-Wan's fault. He's jealous. He's holding me back. You don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. These aren't the droids you're looking for.
Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, Jedi, Sith, Mandalorians, Twi'leks, clones, the Bad Batch ones, and all you regs. And let's not forget all you Transdotions, because this is an inclusive podcast. And welcome to another edition of the Nin Force Order Full Podcast. We're a Star Wars podcast. This is episode, I believe, 119, Doc. Is that correct? Yes, sir. The uh, okay, uh, one one nine, which is the opposite of nine one one. So, it's not an emergency unless you make it one. And I want to tell all you people, even though we're recording late this week, it's because for good reasons, our schedules will not allow it. So, you guys are in luck because now our show this time is filled with even more news, even Yay. more. <laughs> Even more shenanigans and tomfoolery. So sit back, crack open a brewski or some blue spiked milk, take your pants off, play with your bounta poo and enjoy the show. I am one third of your hosts. I am a pro wrestler, a multi time champion in a galaxy far, far away current heavyweight champion in three different promotions and now that everything's opening up this this is going to be a different intro i assure you where i'll have more titles around this sexy greek waist i am a star wars aficionado i am the greek god of professional wrestling the greek god Papadon, aka your boy ggp to the greek greek now alongside with me all the way from the Witness Protection Program, which is a great program, on the planet of Exegol, which is a great planet, is a dark Sith Lord, who's a great dark Sith Lord. It's been great. It's been great, because he's great, and Doc, you're great, but most importantly, the fans, all six of them, are still shit. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, you guys are great too. Uh, Introduce yourself, big guy. But before you introduce yourself and being all great, hit them with that hey yo, a good one, a great one. I want to hear a great hey yo. Hey yo. Ladies and gentlemen, I am the Dark Lord of the Podcast, the Sithari, the Rampaging Revan Kiss, the Butcher, your boy, Dark Spirit on. And last, but not least, it is the MD. And that has many meanings to the uh, Twilights all over the universe. He is the medical droid with the Kung Fu grip, who not only uses that grip to... For prostate exams. Okay, for prostate exams. I was going to say to cuddle your heart. He uses that to earn his title of the Doctor of Thundernomics as he steals your thunder. Introduce yourself, sir. <clears throat> I am smarter than 2-1-B, more technical than FX7, the god of Steel and Thunder. And the guy that even Mace Windu granted the rank of master to Dr. Destroyer, Alex Arroyo. Did, did he think your last name was Bader, not Arroyo? Hell yeah, I'm the master Bader. What's up, Doc? What's up, Doc? Chillin', brother. Listen. What's up, Doc? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, start, the, I gotta start the show off right, okay? 
something happened this week that's disturbed me a little bit. All right. What happened? Something happened. Uh, Lego set dropped recently. Oh, okay. we're starting with that. We'll start, okay. We'll start. We're coming in with the heat, brother. Okay. Bring Lego set heat, dropped baby. recently. Give him um, the heat, Ricky. And, and something that something that's been named since the Empire Strikes Back in 1983 has now been redubbed. So no longer is the ship that Boba Fett flies around in called Slave One. It's been rebranded as Boba Fett's Starship on the new Lego set that's coming out in a couple of months from the Mandalorian. And this is very, very disturbing. Now, we saw this happen a few years ago with Slave Leia, where um, the Jabba the Hutt enslaved Princess Leia was redubbed uh, Jabba the Hutt's capt- uh, captive. I thought it was Hutt Slayer. Hutt, Hutt, no, that's what they would call what they called her on the side as a joke. But it was um, Jabba the Hutt's captive, uh, Princess Leia, which I guess had a less of a, con- a connotation with uh, Juneteenth than Slave Leia did. So we we all kind of let that one slip through because we had that you know like Pop just said the, the Hutt Slayer, which was also slightly a bit a bit of a better name for her. But now they've gone back and they've renamed Boba Fett's ship, not Slave One, but Boba Fett's Starship. Can I can it's, I say something? Please. Is did I or did I not call this when they changed uh, Slave Leia to Hut Slayer Leia? Didn't I say they're going to come after Boba Fett's ship as well? I, I believe you did. You can check the prior episodes in the archive and you will see that I said they will come for that next. And boom, here we are. Here we now, are. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. dead and, and we're... Uh... I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but uh, 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 motherfuckers. Last but not least, I don't want to say I told you so. I don't want to blow our own horn, but toot, toot. We are still recipients and owners of all the trophies. We make it happen in professional wrestling. Look, it's real simple. Disney wants to placate to the leftists. They want to placate to the Twitter mob, to the SJWs, to all the snowflakes. At the end of the day, they can change the name, but at the end of the day, his mama named him Clay. This is a free country. You should respect his wishes and call the man Muhammad Ali. His mama named him Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. Mm-hmm. That's right. I say Clay. Yeah, I... I'm going to call him Clay. And that's all it's going to be. He, it would always be Slave One to us. And even the uh, Boba Fett actor came out and said, hey, it was Slave One then. It's going to be Slave One now. So, yep. you know, uh, there was a guy on YouTube. Uh, he goes by the, uh, the name ABJ, a black Jedi, right? He's a Star Wars YouTuber. And he said, as a black American, he took insult to the fact that Disney thinks that the name Slave One offended him, saying that. The fact that you have a corporation telling you to be offended over something that doesn't offend you is the offensive part. Yep. What do you think about that? A hundred percent. This happens all the time. I mean, we, we, we've seen this across the board recently with the, the whole SJW mob where they have to stand up and be offended for somebody when they hear something that they perceive to be an injustice. Um, when that thing may not actually offend that person who's actually there. I don't know where we got this, you know, off off on this. 
this amazing you know road where we have to be offended for other people for their offenses like are we that, that whole that, you have to be that fucking woke in this world to be able to do that no thank you if someone's offended by something i say you know what let that fucking person tell me all right and then we'll chat about it but don't pretend if i say something about a, a fat chinese woman to be uh, a skinny white woman to be offended for the fat chinese woman because that makes no fucking sense that's just you being fucking woke and trying to be who you are uh as a uh, you know a the savior of the planet. No, thank you. Move on. Thank you. Well, look, it won't be the last time. It definitely wasn't the first time that there has been changes in Star Wars for because of the woke mob and because Disney thinks it's for the betterment of the bottom line. When in reality, it's it's a backhanded slap to all the diehard fans and the fans in the first. It wasn't the first time. It won't be the last time. Um, we had the Slave Leia change. We have the Slave One change. We've had Gina Carano get uh, fired. We had the left deported uh, Wonder Woman 84 and his um, affiliation to the actress who plays Wonder Woman Gal Gadot. They try to eat their own. He's Captain Woke, you know? Um, and now... Wrestler extraordinaire Mercedes, uh, you guys may know her in WWE as um, Sasha the Banks. boss, Sasha Banks. She liked recently um, a social media posts with anti COVID 19 vaccine statements, and everybody on Twitter started coming down on her. But now she's receiving a massive amount of support from the fans. Telling everybody to ease off. She didn't say anything. She just liked the post. Um, do you think this is getting a little bit out of hand? Well, I mean, this is this has been where we've been at for the last four or five years of this country. Oh, I you know, know that. If, if somebody goes against your beliefs or your your thought process, you're going to try to get canceled. I mean, it's this is just, I, I, and I get it. I mean, um. This is, and you feel good about doing that, I guess. You know, when you get somebody canceled, like, yes, I got, I got a win underneath me. So let's get all these fucking people canceled. Um, you know, I, I try to educate. I try not to cancel. You know, if you have a specific b belief status that doesn't go against mine, we'll have a debate like a fucking civil, uh, you know, human being, as opposed to idiots who just immediately want to jump down your throat and cancel you. No, I'm with you, brother. You and I are in the same boat. But unfortunately, the majority of the people, not even the majority. It's a min the it's minority. A, the minority of society who has the ability to make the loudest amount of noise on social media, yeah. who most of them are just bots, to be honest with you, uh, and fake accounts, uh, are what people are focusing on because they're rattling cages and they're making noise. And perception becomes reality. And that's the bottom line. Um, not to go down this rabbit hole, but unfortunately, it's never going to end. And I was talking to somebody today, and I was like, you know, everyone's a key, uh, keyboard tough guy. Of course. Until they get punched in the fucking throat. That's when you separate the men from the boys. Yep, absolutely. And, and, and so. this is the fucking thing. It's like like people don't realize that. it's They love to hide behind that screen. They love behind the thing. But no one would ever say anything and shit like that to people's faces. That's just ridiculous. There was a funny fucking um, 
a funny tw- uh, tweet exchange. I can't remember who it was. It was one of the MMA fighters that was out there. It's something like, Colby, you know, Co- he, Colby Covington. No, it wasn't Colby Covington. This is a couple of years ago. I can't remember who it was, but one of the guys, Enrico was Palazzo. Sh- Enrico Palazzo. One of the guys was talking shit to this MMA fighter and, you know, about his fight and how he got knocked out or whatever the fuck it was or how he didn't have this. And the MMA fighter responded. He's like, you, you wouldn't say that shit in my fucking face if you saw me. And the guy was like, you're right. You beat the fucking piss out of me. I'm not, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> it's like, yes, okay, thank you. And the guy was like, all right, I respect that. But it's like, it's it's such a fucking true story that we've developed this this veil that, you know, you could put in front of you and you could sit there and say whatever the fuck you want to say, whatever the fuck you want to say online. And nobody, you know, has any fear of getting the shit slapped out of their mouth, which is amazing. And and I've seen this actually carry over into the real world where someone thinks they're behind their fucking screen. They say something and they get the shit slapped out of them, which is hilarious. So people. If if you wouldn't say it in real life, don't fucking say it on the internet, please, please, because you're just a bitch about that. Funny story. One time, I was wrestling at an event, uh, and it was after the event. We're all in the hotel, right? All the wrestlers are in a room. People are drinking, having a good time. A couple of fans are with us, you know. And I was talking to this one fan, and this one fan gets out of hand and says something disrespectful to me. Not on a personal level, but more on a business wrestling level, on a professional level. So I smacked him. <laughs> Everyone in the room fucking stopped. His name was Blake Troop. No, it wasn't Blake Troop. I don't smack women. Um, so I smacked the dude. And he was like, oh. And I said, don't ever fucking disrespect me again. And then he apologized. And I said, I'm sorry I smacked you, but I had to put you in your place. And then he goes, yeah, I was out of light. I'm sorry. And then we went around our business. And, and then, then the rest you of the and Joe night, Attell were good friends for him. And then the rest of the night, you know, we had a good time. So the night, the rest of the night, he looked over at you and you were like this. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. I'll give you a fresh one. Anyway. Tell <laughs> <laughs> me to freshen up your face. <laughs> Wait, I'll, so, I'll, I'll be, 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 before we continue, I want to go back to the slave one thing. So do you know where that, that name actually comes from? Slave one, yeah, because he's he they they're bounty hunters, they pick up the people, they enslave them in carbonite, and then boom, yes right? and no, yes okay. and no. So, enlighten me. So, when you're recording from a master, a master tape, right? The the record you have one master, like real Matt will probably be able to explain it better than me, but you'll have a, a, like one master reel, and then the ones that are recording the multiple recordings after that are called slave one, slave two, slave three, slave four. So when you're doing mass recordings, that's you got the master that's that's running it, and then you have the slaves that are recording everything there in there. And R two D two comes from uh, a a movie thing as well. It's it's real two disc two or something like that. Yes. and that's where he got that from. So that's where this that's actually where the slave one comes from. So it's not even oh. you know a connotation of of a you know of um uh, of uh you know an enslavement of a of a, of a population. Gotcha. Well, let's move on. That was pretty interesting though. But let's move on. Uh, and real quick, Matt, if you want to drop in the. Uh... Uh, a statement concurring Doc's statement, or if you agree agree with him, go right ahead, plug it in right now. And if not, no worries. Anyway, we're going to go into our segment called Marky Mark and his funky tweets. Yeah. Can you feel it, baby? I can too. 
because we start off the, the show on a bad note. I think we need to uh, rebound a little with some good oh, sensation. Okay, sorry, my and, bad. Uh, what? My bad. Some good vibrations and sweet sensations. Marky Mark and his funky tweets, ladies and gentlemen. Now, in this this segment, we we tout, if you will, or we praise the wordsmith, the national treasure known as Mark Hamill, a.k.a. Luke Skywalker, a.k.a. the heart and soul of Star Wars, the motherfucker face that runs the motherfucking place. Now, he, unfor- he fortunately, fortunately, can capture people. Not unfortunately. Not unfortunately. Can capture people's hearts in 140 characters or less on Twitter. And whenever he does a good job, it makes us go, <laughs> we present those tweets to you. So he decided to do what he does best and go follow him at Hamill himself and tell him the NFO podcast sent you at NFO underscore podcast. So this is a guy, Aaron Sagers, right? At Aaron Sagers, Sagers tweets Mark Hamill. Random hashtag Star Wars filming question for the day. I don't know how many takes at Hamill himself did the that's not true, that's impossible line in Empire after the reveal. But it sounds like it would kill his voice, which is a good thing he chose to fall silently. Now, the question was, did it? And then Hamill replies, it's crucial to warm up vocally prior to any demanding challenges. FYI, in that scene, nothing could be heard over the deafening roar of the wind machines. I spoke my lines based on Vader's gestures. Unable to hear a word he said. Everything was dubbed later in post-production. That's that's pretty hilarious. <laughs> impressive. Most impressive. So, you know, it just goes to show you that, hey, you got to learn how to work. Got to be able to work on the fly like these guys and work off each other's movements and connotations and 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 body language to try to figure out what the hell's going on because you you couldn't hear him because of the fans the pop from the fans doc unlike yeah, a joey teller and alvin unlike, alvarez yeah, because say, they don't get pops say, joe tell can't work and gets no pops even if he did he can't hear it he only has one ear <laughs> he could hear shit over the over the fans <laughs> oh god anyway uh, another tweet came out and uh, from Hamill. And this one's a little haha. He goes, and Hamill himself goes, collectibles that comm- commemorate a grievous bodily injury. What's wrong with these people? Just say no to hashtag Luke dismemberment merch. And then he shows all these pictures of people showing Luke's hand being sliced off as collectibles, patches, and uh, mold action figures. Action figures. I thought it was hilarious. What's your take, Doc? Oh, it's it's great. Um, and I've seen those. Uh, it's great. It's great. I've seen those. Um, <laughs> those uh, 
those Luke hand action figures prior, which which I thought were were, were pretty hilarious. Um, and then he also showed the molds that they actually used for the for the the scene where they chopped it off. Um, and we've talked about about Mark Hamill before. The guy, listen, the, you're right. The guy is a national treasure. He really has a good tongue in cheek approach when it comes to his Twitter, oh, okay. his character, and all the stuff that he does, and and the fact that he engages himself to the fans so much, um, and really you know, responds to things and talks to things. And obviously, not to everybody, but it, it makes him approachable. And I think this is you know one of the main things that when Twitter was was conceived what it wanted to be. It wanted to be a link between your favorite celebrity and yourself, whether they talk to you or not. Oh, I agree with you. Um, I remember the first time he liked one of my tweets that I, that I tagged him in, and I was just like, big time, big time. Him and Kevin Smith both liked the tweet. And I think they possibly, they possibly even retweeted it too. I don't recall if they retweeted it or not, but I was like, holy shit. Anyway. You want to know what that tweet was? You should, you should put that in your on your Twitter bio, retweeted and liked by Mark Hamill and Kevin Smith. So, sure. so we could all know how, how how important you are. Thank you. It's almost as good as taking selfies at the gym and posting it on Facebook course, and Twitter. Make sure you're there. So everyone knows you're at the gym. Um, what's up, Stockade? Um, so you know, Stockade doesn't go to the gym. No, Stockade's lost like 70, 80 pounds. Oh, really? Great. Yeah. Gym shout out to him. Forever. He's uh he's a new man. Um so anyway, um my tweet was I'm in the ho- I'm in a hotel watching television at a show and it was right before we were supposed to go to the show and I watched Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back. And it shows Cockknocker played by heavy, uh Mark Hamill and he's fighting Silent Bob and he's having a lightsaber battle with him and who has Blood Man and Chronic with Jane Silent Bob, Kevin Smith and Jason Muse. And it hit me. I went, holy shit. And this is right after episode eight dropped. I went, the last man to ever have an actual lightsaber duel with Mark Hamill will be Jay and Silent Bob. Because there wasn't a lightsaber battle between him and Kylo Ren. They didn't cross blades. And then he died at the end of episode eight. And I tweeted yeah. that, and they both popped for it and and, and liked it. I don't, I don't recall if they retweeted it or not, but I was like, holy shit, that's pretty cool. Anyway. Pretty, that is pretty cool. I agree. So, you know who Ming-Na Wen is? We oh, both like- my God. Listen, I decided today that Ming-Na Wen is my new official crush. <sighs> I want to marry her ass. Would you say just her ass? Every, everything. What about, what? I mean, is it like an orange crush? Um, More like a yellow crush? Oh, okay. <laughs> you don't get that? I get it. Okay. Uh, the reason why I said orange is because what it, it was a segue into the story, but you didn't pick up on it. So sorry. Ming-Na Wen wants Fennec Chan to become a Jedi with an orange lightsaber. Oh, orange read? lightsaber. Yeah, I did read that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate or Listen, what? What is it? What does this girl want? She's been in. She's been in a Marvel thing. She's been in the Disney princess thing. She's been in Star Wars. And now she wants to be a Jedi with an orange lightsaber. How much is too much? How much is enough, Ming-Na Wen? Uh, okay? you, first of all, first of all, you will never know that answer. How much is too much? From so, <laughs> no, not from the Mignon Wynn, Just in general, from any woman that's ever be, ever been with you, they'll tell you they don't know that how much is too much when it comes because, to you. Because they can't get enough, baby. That's the reason why. <laughs> every every, every inch is <laughs> every inch is precious. 
<laughs> no, man, she did an interview with Screen Rant. And they said, well, what do you want for the character of, of Fennec Shan? And she's like, well, selfishly, that she becomes a Jedi. I mean, didn't we all want to become a Jedi when we were younger? I mean, that's true. I mean, she's not lying. How crazy would that be, right? I've already pictured that she'd have an orange lightsaber because that's that's her color. So a little bit of clickbait article, but not really because she's a diehard. She's one of us. She is. She's a nerd. So to me, I thought that was pretty cool. But I mean, she, obviously, we know she's not going to be a goddamn Jedi. Listen, gonna... who knows? Who knows this day and age? You really think they might actually make her a yeah, Jedi? They, they may look around and be like, you know, we have no Asian Jedis. All right, Ming, get up here. <laughs> Isaku shows up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not Ming. Ming. Okay, got it. <laughs> not that guy. <laughs> different, you see different, the... different Ming. Did you did you did you see the, the... <laughs> did you see the 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 meme I pushed up? I put up of uh What's his name? Oh, Qui Gon yeah. yeah, from Taken. <laughs> and and, uh, and and Meng answers the phone, and he's like, "Oh, forget it. I think I got the wrong number." Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, to those out there, Meng slash Haku is a wrestler, and there's many stories of him being the toughest man in the world, and him ripping someone's tooth out in a bar fight with his bare hands. So, take it for what it's worth. I had a conversation with his uh, his adopted son Tamatanga about him. Uh, like very very briefly when I was you know working them in a uh, in MSG and um and there's nobody that speaks badly about that guy let me tell you oh no definitely not uh, he did Troy's show you forgot oh I remember we were in uh, the basement yeah but it, but it's hard to speak to Meng because like you know he barely speaks English so it's fine so Star Wars the Bad Batch's Omega's origin reveals changes in the franchise's canon doc did you know this. My God, franchise canon changing. Uh, what, what do they change now? The canon in the franchise. I just told you that. But what's the reason why it's changed? <laughs> because they made Revan canon. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, Sorry, Spiro. It's like crazy now. All right, let's see what this says. Omega's connection to Django and Boba is just the latest of several big canon changes regarding the legendary bounty hunter and his son in recent years. It all seems to be an expansion of a mythos surrounding Boba Fett, which has admittedly been necessary. The Mandalorian officially brought Boba Fett back from his death in Return of the Jedi, set him up for his own spin-off series, The Book of Boba Fett. The series could easily explore both Boba's past and present following the fall of the Empire, and having Omega being part of that story, either as a grown woman or flashbacks to their meeting in the past, would, would, would be interesting. Uh, there's plenty of evidence already on the table that the Book of Boba Fett could be tied to Omega. The Boba Fett series will see the bounty hunter allied with Fennec Shang, Ming-Na Wing, that we just talked about, who serves, as Boba, who serves Boba after he saved her life. The Bad Batch has also revealed that it was Fennec who was hired to protect Omega from the Empire and the clones who want to destroy her. Fennec, Fennec having close ties to both Jango's Fett's kids seems too convenient to be a coincidence. Mm. Your thoughts? Interesting. Um, I would be, man. I mean, th th there's so many things to explore for the Boba Fett thing, um, the Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett coming up. And now, as you throw in this whole Omega thing, like, do we really need Omega. one more extra layer about this? Do we need one more extra layer? I don't think so. It'd be interesting to see it, I guess. But I, you know, I really want the focus to be on Boba um, and what had happened to him during that time that he was out. 
um, after Empire, after uh, Jedi, and then what's going on now with him in the um, as as the new uh, you know the new boss of the Huts over there. So I would I would hope they would stay away from the whole Omega thing um, at least right now. Even bringing her in as a you know, as a sub character would need a lot of explanation and a lot of talk about it and a lot of exp- and a lot of like you know future things that are going to happen with her. So I I'd rather not have her be involved in the Book of Boba Fett show. But I do do think it's pretty cool. You know we haven't talked about this episode yet on um on the Bat Show that she is now you know labeled as the Omega clone of the uh, of the of the ones. But my question is this: when they were talking about the the failed clones. They mentioned her as one of those failed clones. So which part of her is actually the failed part? If they still want to get her DNA because she's a Gen One clone of Django, um, to further make more clones. So where's the failed part in all this? No idea. It's a good question. Where where did you hear they said there she was a failed version? Remember when in the beginning um, of the first episode of... Uh, All right, of, I got to uh, go back and watch it. I thought, I thought they said she was a modified version, but I don't know if they, they said... Fed, in, the, in, the, in the first episode of Bad Batch, they were talking about five clones. You know, the, They said the five clones. We had assumed that the fifth clone we're talking about was Echo, remember? Yeah. But it was Omega they were talking about. So mm-hmm. she's one of the you know failed clones that they had. So why? And how is that going to play into effect? And if she's failed, what do they need her for the... For the future of the uh, of the cloning. All right, let's. We have homework to do now, Doc. Yes. We have to go back and watch this. Sweet. Sounds like a plan, Stan. Um, Star Wars Disney Plus series, The Acolyte, eyeing February production start. Uh, Great, wonderful. The Acolyte. February, Here we go. Again. February twenty twenty two. That is, it's eyeing production start of February twenty twenty two. It will film in London, where they have the volume over there, which has been popularized by The Mandalorian. It's now being used by Peyton Reed for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Realm. Um, They also revealed that casting has already started. Lucasfilm is currently eyeing a young woman of color to tackle the lead role. Uh, A young woman of color. Here we go again. Well, look, I also heard today that the Acolyte is going to tie into episode one. Yes, I heard that as well. Um, how? I don't know. But uh, do you think that it's going to tie in with Plagueis and Plagueis is a master? Master. Mass possible, I guess. I mean, they have a lot of things to explore in this. Um, and you know, they, they want a female. This is supposed to be that all female centric show. So unless Darth Plagueis, uh, you know, chopped off his, his, his penis, then. Um, I'm not so sure where we're gonna go with this. And oh, by the way, can I complain on Twitter when they have no male, no male leads? Sure, I would love to see you complain on Twitter. Will I get it. retweeted? Will I get Will I get retweeted? Uh, I'll retweet you, uh, especially you tag in Anita Applebaum on it. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> careful, she's spitting your sandwich. Um, <laughs> you ever heard of the movie Return of the Jedi? Of course I have. Is that one of your favorite movies? Uh, yes, it definitely is. Well, there's one guy who wrote an article on vocal, uh, what's it? No, wait, vocal media or no futurism. Um, says that Return of the Jedi is the greatest Star Wars movie of all time. Now, the guy's name was Alex Lanzini. So he basically says, and maybe you can agree with me, maybe you don't want to agree with me, with, with him. I mean, I'm sorry, Doc. 
He goes, Return of the Jedi is the best Star Wars movie, and here's why. The film gives it arguably the best Luke Skywalker we've seen in the OT series. Okay, agreed. We finally get to see the Emperor in person. Yeah. Luke's conflict with the dark side, both internally and externally. Whatever. Luke can sense the good in his father, and he seeks to bring him back to the light side. the good in you, father. No one, including Obi-Wan and the Emperor, thinks Luke will be able to do it, so he proves him wrong. It gives us three amazing ballot battles that occur simultaneously toward the end of the film. We see Han and Leia fighting on Endor, Lando and the Rebels battling in the Death Star, Luke facing Vader and the Emperor. The movie also has some cool has has some of the coolest makeup and creature designs of all the OT trilogy. Well, I mean, things have advanced at that point, so I think that's the reason why that's the case. I mean, yeah, it's a great movie, and at that point, Lucas had proved himself and the budget for the movie was probably 15 times more than it was for star Wars and M and, you know, an empire. Um, so yeah, you can have a lot more cooler things that look inside there. You know, if you look also into that article, the guy talks about the fact that he, you know, when he was growing up, he grew up poor and he didn't have cable or fucking DVD. And then the only DVD he had was the, the return of the Jedi and he watched it a zillion times. So he's got his own, you know, reasons for that. I think it's a good movie. I think it falls apart during the Ewok portion of everything. Um, the first 20 minutes of that movie were was probably the best Star Wars that that we've ever seen. I mean, it was fantastical. It was over-the-top amazing. We had Jabba and the rescue, and it set the tone for everything else. The movie kind of turns a little bit differently after that. You know, it's not it's not it's it's adventurous, but it's not as adventurous and as as amazing as those first 20 minutes because it slows down a little bit um and it becomes this luke trying to pull his father from the dark side um and more of a uh you know a uh, um a father-son tale than than just ass kicking star wars but i it's you know it's it's my of of the ot's i think for me it's tied with a new hope as you know my second favorite movie of the ot and okay. just by a little bit. Cool. Um, Star Wars publishing news dropped. The final two trade paperback covers of the original Thrawn trilogy has just been revealed. Air to the Empire is available now. Dark Force Rising and Last Command will be available September 7th. And I, I, we don't have a picture of the covers to show the people because it's an audio podcast. But I saw the covers. They were outstanding. And I'm going to buy these books. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Have you actually read those or no? No, you should. I mean, I, I think if, if you're going to go back and read anything, yeah, I know it's not canon, canon, but you're going to go back and read anything. Those are the ones to kind of take a, take, take a look at because they are really, really great stories. I remember them vividly from my youth. Cool. The two youths. Two youths. Excuse me. What's a youth? Um, you McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi show rumored to feature some dangerous Star Wars characters. The Inquisitors and or the Grand Inquisitor himself are being rumored to be in the Kenobi series. And the, uh, the Grand Inquisitor was voiced by Harry Potter alumnus Jason Isaacs, who I thought would have made a great throne, but then realized he's the voice of the Grand Inquisitor as well. So That's all right. We, could, we, we can get by. What do you um, think? I, I was talking to my son earlier today about this, about the Inquisitor thing, and uh, I, think it's, I think it's a great idea. I mean, I think they would be really cool um, in the Kenobi series as the foil for, for, for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, the only, the only problem I have with it is that 
we know no one's going to die. You know, it's one of those things where because we we know the characters and we know where we're at with them and what we have to see them in the future. None of them are going to are going to go the wayside. What if it's new? It is what it is. Well, then, you know, they're just set up there to die. So I'd rather at the old Inquisitors. So I already know that they're not just thrown in there because, you know, we're going to kill them for the for the sake of killing. Well, I got one issue with the whole scenario. Tell me. If Inquisitor sent a Tatooine to go find Obi-Wan Kenobi because they got a lead that he might be there. Right. And they get there and they find him and they fight him and they don't return. Then they know that he's there because they're dead. Or if they do return, right? Let's say it's a brand new and failed, then Vader has to go there. And if Vader goes there and fights him, then it's just like, well, you know, like (laughs) the big hiding secret. It's it's been the kayfabe has been blown. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they got to do it in a way, in my opinion, if they are going to be introduced, that it's done right and smart, and not for the sake of just to do it to fit it in. So, I mean, I'm having a lot of faith because Deborah Chow is handling the scenario on, 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 on this show. And I'm having a very good, good feeling that David is overseeing everything as his executive creator, director, president of the universe title that he has now at Lucasfilm. So as we assume he would, sure. So it is what it is. I'm not worried whatsoever, but it would be cool to see uh, uh, an Inquisitor or two live action with those cool helicopter freaking lightsabers which are so yeah. badass yeah i don't know how they would pull that one off that'd be that'd be that'd be funny to see do you know something that we're not going to see um i don't know tell me star Kamala wars Harris naked thank god star wars detours you know what this article really made me upset you know we talked about okay. in the past before yeah, Seth green yeah uh, no i'm good i'm, I'm, I'm I, I safe space already um seth green <laughs> who is well played. Seth Green, who was the executive producer and creator of Robot Chicken, which was a hilarious show um, back in the day, had done right before Disney took over the Star Wars franchise, a bunch of these uh, animated sh- series called Detours, which they actually put, I think he said like 39 of them in the can or something like that. At, yeah, at and they that just point. finished. They had 39 done and they just finished a few of them. It finalized a few more. So I think it was like 43 or 42. Yeah. And Disney yeah. took over and then like kind of the kibosh ending that happened on all that stuff. And it, it never made a light of day. Um, and for the first time, because I really haven't sought it out, I, you know, I saw the animation for this. And it looks actually pretty cool. It looks almost like a claymation kind of thing, um, which Robot Chicken is also famous for. Um, they showed some scenes with Han and um, what's his face? Lando and Chewbacca and stuff. And it was going to kind of be like a tongue-in-cheek Star Wars show which is more of a comedy than anything else and i think it would have probably on a certain level worked um because seth green is a, is a pretty funny guy and he, he really had the pulse on on that stuff and they they did a bunch of robot chicken star wars specials which were actually pretty funny um but uh alas disney you know pulls the pulls the purse strings and despite the fact that these guys probably worked their asses off on this and really wanted to make it something cool it's likely at this point not going to see the light of day for who knows how long, if ever. Yeah, it's weird, man. Supposedly they renewed or filed new trademarks last year. Everyone thought it was going to be May the 4th. It was going to be released. Um, Seth Green has a good relationship with Lucasfilm. He's the voice of Toto 360, the robot that hangs with Cad Bane that we yep. recently saw on Bad Batch. 
So when they asked him about it, he just said, uh, the most recent conversations I've had with anybody would be in a position to say so, say that it's not, it's not soon as far as when they're going to start airing. There are 39 novels that were finished for broadcast, but we finished them almost 10 years ago. Holy shit. I didn't know it was that long ago. And yeah. so there would have been a bit of reconfiguring of existing stuff to make it something that Disney Plus would release on Lucasfilm as a Lucasfilm offering. And the way it has been explained to me is that there hasn't been enough interest high enough high enough up to go through with what it would take to pull it off. And that there is an interest in releasing this content on Disney Plus from Lucasfilm. Oh, it it, it kind of sucks. I mean, keep going. He goes, Seth Green also explained why even if the series never released, he enjoyed making it. I don't really have an emotional position because I got to spend four straight years making something with George Lucas. And my partner and I and all the people that got to work on it, the artists, the actors, directors, and animators, we all got to make something Star Wars with the guy who created it. And so I know over the four years that we have, we were having fun. And that's all I cared about. I got priceless experience with one of my truest heroes and got to see him laugh and enjoy all the things that he had created in a time before he agreed to sell them to anybody else. Pretty yeah, cool. It's very cool. I mean, I, and, and I'm happy for him that he got that done, but I'm sure it's deep down. He really wants this to be released because who doesn't, I mean, why have it sitting there and never do anything. And it, it makes us, it, unless this is really untoward and really kind of like off the wall. Um, I can't see why Disney wouldn't, wouldn't just be like, fuck it. Let's just release it. I mean, it's no skin off their back. It's costing them nothing to do this. Oh, I know. I mean, they just released droids, the whole Caravan of Courage and the Ewok stuff and the Christmas special uh, portion where Boba Fett debuts. Um, you know what? Well, you're right. I mean, it's not costing them a pretty penny. All the pretty pennies already has been spent. So who knows? I don't know. Yeah, just, unless, just, unless, I mean, if it's there and done, let's get it, just get it out there. Unless some of the rumors about Seth Seth Green are true that I've heard in other circles, but oh, let's not go down that nice. path. We'll talk. We'll is talk it, about that off here. He's a pizza gate. I'll Allegedly, talk, we'll talk about off here. <laughs> I love when you do this. Star Wars Rogue, Rogue Squadron will bring in a new era for Star Wars. The director says. Did you did you uh, read this article? Because I'm going to go through yeah, it. Yeah, fucking Patty Jenkins. Oh, okay. Good summarization. I love it. Nah, fucking Patty Jenkins. That's so New York. I love it. Star Wars Rogue Squadron director Patty Jenkins said her new movie will usher a new age of Star Wars. Star Wars Rogue Squadron filmmaker Patty Jenkins recently said the upcoming Star Wars film will usher a new era of Star Wars and a new age of Star Wars. Jenkins recently spoke with the Associated Press about the upcoming Star Wars Rogue Squadron, which was announced in December 2020 as part of the future of Star Wars project presentation who uh she said star wars rogue squadron will have connections to the old book series of the same title but will offer a look into the new era of star wars the michael stackpole books and the video game not pj stackpole no no michael stackpole uh books and video games and all of the rogue squadron books there's an incredible history that really important to honor jenkins told the associated press and yet it must be brought to the new age because we have to tell a new story with it and you, so you're trying to blend the best of everything and make it a great fighter pilot movie which i've always wanted to make as well it's a big brew of things that you're trying to put together and still try to keep a simple story 
Uh, Jenkins told Lucasfilm after she was announced as the director that she's excited to push the Star Wars boundaries with the new movie. It's been a lifelong dream as a filmmaker to one day make a great fighter pilot film, said Jenkins. As the daughter of a great fighter pilot myself, some of the best memories of my life are seeing my father's squadron take off their F-4s every morning and hearing and feeling the awe-inspiring power and grace. When he passed away in service to this country, it ignited a burning desire to one day channel all those emotions into one great film. When the perfect story arrived in combination with another true love of mine, the incomparable world of Star Wars, I knew I finally found my next film. I'm extremely honored and excited to take it on and grateful for Lucasfilm, Disney, and the fans for sending that book to. Um, wow, wow. Wonder Woman star Chris Pine said he has heard plans for Rogue Squadron. He told Collider that Jenkins, the director of Wonder Woman and the upcoming Rogue Squadron, that the plans are really great. Well, he's been talking yeah, to Spira. <laughs> I had spoken to her about not my involvement, but the story. She talked to me about it. He said, it sounds really, really great. Thanks, Spiro. And uh, uh, whatever your name is, Chris Pine. But I'm ecstatic for her. Excited for what she's about to embark on. If there's anyone that can reimagine and breathe fresh new life into it, it's her. So what do you think, Doc? <sighs> more, more fluff? Listen, more fluff. Um, if... She only had done the first Wonder Woman. I'd be a lot more exciting. That second Wonder Woman was atrocious and forget it. Um, Chris Pine, whatever. I'm not going to listen to that guy. But um, she really needs this to be, I think, not just she. I think we, we all, as a collective, uh, you know, Star Wars universe, the Disney universe, Disney pockets, Patty Jenkins and the world need this to be a, a fucking hit. So, you know, there was an article recently that, you know, that just talked about that as well, how... Like this needs to be the in the movie, and I don't think it's going to be the movie. You know, I don't think she's one of those directors that makes the movie, and I don't think you know anybody's going to give that much shit about Rogue Squadron to make it the movie. So eh, I'm a little worried about what's going to happen here. So, did you read the books by Michael Stackpole? I I I read some of them, I believe. Were I, they I good? I read some of the books. I can't remember, uh, but he's a pretty famous author. Um, and I, I, I'm 99% sure I read those books and they were pretty, they weren't as good as the Zahn books, but they were good. So this is what I, when she's saying a new era, does she mean timeline wise or does she mean just a different perspective during a certain time? Uh, meaning that the first OT trilogy, we got the Skywalker um, storyline between father and son introduction of a sister maybe during the same time we get to see a rogue squadron go on a mission for whatever reason and we get to see some cool um stuff not stuff but like aerial combat between tie fighters and next wing you're fucking better i mean uh, what, what am i signing up for no i know that but i'm just saying i mean we're talking about breathing fresh new air we really don't see x-wings and 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 uh and uh, TIE fighters go at it for a long amount of times or have a dogfight in the sky. We see a little bit here and there, but it's only a little bit. It's a sprinkle here, a sprinkle there. So I'm kind of intrigued to see how she's going to pull it up. But I wholeheartedly agree with you. She better not pull no Wonder Woman 84 shit uh, because that was an atrocious movie. It just The storyline was horrible. Brutal. Everything was brutal. Uh, it was 
three hours too long. Um, <laughs> you know, just just a mess. And I, and I agree with I you know. that we, as a, as a franchise, as an as an IP, and as a brand, this they need this, another strong this, movie. This this can't miss. It, it's either make or break. Yeah, it needs this to get miss. it needs to get over with the fans. Huge. And speaking of over. I thought you were having a stroke. Glad you're okay. I may have been. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we do a segment here on the new Force Order called Who is More Over. Now, before you get all upset, let me explain to you. Over is wrestling lingo. It means being popular with the fans. So when we say who's more over, we're asking actually who's more popular for you. Now, what we do is we compare two aspects of Star Wars, person, place, or thing, doesn't necessarily matter. And we see what's more over with you, the fans, all six of you guys. But most importantly, what's over with us. So, Doc, do us a favor. Let us know what's on the marquee tonight. This week, we do an interesting battle, I think. Uh, we look at Darth Maul. And not just Darth Maul versus anyone else, but it's going to be Darth Maul versus himself. Because on one hand, we have the Darth Maul that we were initially introduced from the OT trilogy. Tatooine is sparsely populated. If the trace was correct, I will find them quickly, Master. Move against the Jedi first. You will then have no difficulty in taking the Queen to Naboo to sign the treaty. At last, we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last, we will have revenge. You have been well trained, my young apprentice. They will be no match for you. Versus spider legs, Darth Maul ain't got no legs. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> this is where you live. How long have you been here? Years and years and years. Through victory, my dreams have broken the chains. The chains are the easy part. It's what goes on in here that's hard. You have been lost, my brother. Do you remember who you are? Where you came from? Always remember I am fear. Always remember I am hunter. Always remember I am filth. Always remember I am nothing. Your legs. That scum. He took them from me. He took them. Who? Who took them? Jedi. Jedi. You remember the mercy, master. Mercy is a lie, a delusion of the weak to think themselves strong. I ask not for mercy. What? what is it? Brother, what are you saying? Through the filth, through the grief, Jedi! Revenge. I must have revenge. That we saw in the cartoon forum, in book forum, in, uh, uh, what else for him? Um, uh, show form, action figure form. Who was the badass? I have mechanical legs, and I'm including the mechanical legs and the spider, you know, bottom oh, Darth Maul. Okay. Involved in all in all of that spider leg Darth Maul there. So it's gonna be Maul versus Maul, and the Maul for it all. 
the mall for it all. I love it. What does the uh, the polls say? All the polls. Uh, interestingly enough, on Facebook, we have got a 66 to 33 percent vote for OG Mall. Okay. Here's my comments. Holly Garland, Mall never skips leg day. For the record, his mythos statue with cybernetic legs is by far one of the best Star Wars statues ever made. She throws in a photo of Darth Maul with his big old fucking clunky, uh, like, uh, that's a new one. What are the, what are those creatures called that have the, uh, like in, um, the Krumpus with those fucking crazy ass, uh, goat legs. Any other goat legs? Don't remember. Okay. Anyway, here we go. Let's move over to, uh, the, uh, Instagram on the Instagram. The malls have it. Ooh, vanilla Darth Maul wins 64 to 36%. So nearly the same exact uh, polls on the Instagram. So okay. it looks like this week, Pop, the fans think that OG Maul with his real, with his real uh, flesh legs, not fleshlight, is over. Nice. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can send us an email regarding this segment or anything else to newforceorder.yahoo.com. Touch base on one quick email this week. It's from Brandon Miller. Mr. Bum himself. Hey, NFO. And in parentheses, did it right this time so GGP's head doesn't spit off. That's right. Little N, capital F, little O. Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate it. So I really, so I have a really controversial take on this week's who is more over it. And it's an opinion that I've has shut down by many Star Wars friends. But this is the NFO where alternate perspectives are encouraged. So maybe I can get some credibility for the unpopular opinion I'm about to give. Probably not. He hates Darth Maul. First off, I'm taking the original Darth Maul. But my preference goes even further than that. In my humble opinion, I think Maul should have stayed dead after Phantom Menace. While his return to Clone Wars was kind of cool, I always saw Darth Maul as Brock Lesnar type where less was more. He was at his best with very few lines and brief but memorable appearances in episode one. Keep him silent, for, but for the most part, bringing the character back with multiple arcs, numerous promos, etc. takes the shine off Diapo for me, oversaturates the character and even lessens the impact of Phantom Menace just a little bit. Quite frankly, it's too much birthday. I know that's that's a scolding hot take that you guys have every right to shoot down. But in my head, Canon, Darth Maul died after the getting chopped in half. Also, Revan still is isn't Canon either. We'd love to hear your thoughts either way, guys. Have a great week, Brandon. Well, Brandon, that was a very nice email you sent. Um thank it was great. You. It was great, it was great. It was great, it was great. Spiro said it was great too. Um, do you want to touch on it first? Or you want me to touch on it first? Uh, I'll go. I'll go first. Um, you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, so the mall thing. Um, interesting. Brandon's take on on this. Should a mall have stayed, you know, dead after the the Phantom Menace? I think a character that was so I want to see. It's hard to use the word revolutionary, but so visually pleasing, impactful, okay. impactful, visually pleasing, impactful. Um, was was gonna not stay dead for long with the you know the rabid Star Wars fans, 
especially the fact that you know people knew they could have made money off this guy. So listen, why are we going to people want him back? What are we going to keep him dead for? Just like Boba Fett. Um, so I think that's why a lot of it had to do as to why we saw malls because he was so visually interesting that it was impossible to kind of keep him dead. And just like any other media, I mean, like comic books, uh, like movies, does anybody really die forever? I mean, how many times has Anne May died already? For Christ's sake. Can I interject? Yes, sir. What does Luke Skywalker says? What, what does Luke Skywalker say? I don't know. What does he say? No one's ever really gone. No one's ever really gone. Yes. All right. Continue. So I, I think, and I'm not saying it was always in the cards, but, you know, this is a business. And if you've got something that's making money, people want to see, you find a way to bring it back. And I get it. Um, and it's not like they did him a disservice by bringing him back. I think they did him a great service by bringing him back because he came back stronger than ever and had a lot of things to add to the universe um, that, you know, that we didn't know we needed to see. But when we did, we were like, oh, shit, that's awesome. So I don't mind them bringing Maul back. Um, I, I, I've i been around in comics and movies and TV shows and shit for so long that uh, you expect someone who's dead to not bring, you know, to be brought back. Like in the comic book world, there was always a rule. You never bring back Uncle Ben and you never bring back Bucky. And they brought back Bucky. And look what happened with that. It's, it's, it's making money hand over fist. And I think it was a great idea. One of my favorite Captain America stories was the Winter Soldier. Um, in both the comics and the movies. So if you do it, you got to do it right. You got to do it with a purpose. Like, it's like we say this all the time. You're going to include something. It's got to it's got to make sense and it's got to be good. If not, you're just doing it just for the pop. And that's not that's not what, what you need to be doing. Well said, Doc. Uh, I'm going to just uh, add something on the tail end of that. Uh, what, what Brandon said on his email, I see his point of view and we appreciate it. I don't agree with it only because... They didn't bring Maul back. Uh, they didn't boom. Let me think. They didn't bring Darth Maul back. They brought Maul back. Darth Maul and Maul are two different characters. What do I mean? Darth Maul was a science, a silent assassin. Uh, he was a Padawan. I'm sorry, an apprentice in the Sith Lord. That's why he was Darth Maul. After he got shish kebabed or sliced in half by. Um, Kenobi, they realized they'd done messed up because he got very popular, like Doc said. So they found a way to bring him back. Was it the best way? He used his hate to stay alive for Kenobi. Um, meh, meh. Why did everyone buy it? Because it was Darth Maul. And nobody they cared. <laughs> because they wanted him back. Everybody wanted exactly. him back. Right? But here's the deal. And this is where... Um, I think Doc was alluding to it as well. They brought Maul back, but they didn't bring back Maul the same. First, he was batshit crazy. Then yep. he got then he got his his wits again. Uh, lost his stupid spider legs and got robotic legs like Lieutenant Dan. Um, but he got no legs, Lieutenant Dan. He became a manipulator, a uh, uh, um, a cerebral assassin. On the level equivalent to his physical attributes of being an assassin. So they made him a multi-layered character as opposed he, to keeping he, him. He grew. Yes. But at the same time, he, after becoming a multi-layered, uh, non-one-dimensional character, which what he was in Phantom Menace, 
they didn't change his motif. They didn't change his overall gimmick, which was he will fail. He was always destined to fail. And we see this in Rebels. Once he gets uh, done for by Kenobi, played by a uh, voice by Steven Stanton, to the best, best. Sounds just like Alec Guinness. Uh, even in his dying breath, he still had uh, hate in his heart for the Emperor and says that the Chosen One that will avenge us. And that's why Obi-Wan looks at him with like, bro, you still, even in your dying fucking moment, you still don't get it. You still don't get it, you know? Yeah, so, well, but that was Maul. That's what he was fueled exactly. by. I think it was important for them to to do that and to and to show that that's what he was and that's what he was, you know, he was ultimately all about was that hate. No, I get it. But if they would have brought back Maul, he would have been the same character as, as he was in Phantom Menace, just now with robotic legs instead of, you know, real legs. Then I could see where it was a disservice. But just look at Boba Fett. They brought back Boba Fett, um, and He's a different character. He, was, yep. he had more nobility, spoke more about lineage of the of the uh, the armor, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to being a cold-hearted uh, mercenary as originally uh, as he was booked in the OT. We'll see where this pans out as far as his new series goes, and if it's an intertwine of both, or if he's just changing a little lease on life because he decided, uh, you know what, I was lucky to survive the Sarlacc pit. We don't know, but. If they would have brought back Boba Fett, he would have been in the same clothes, um, same armor, and acted the same way and was just quiet and became just a bounty hunter and just picked up his ball and started the same exact path he was on before. Wouldn't have made sense. Just like if they bring back Mace Windu. If they bring back Mace Windu and he's the same hubris Jedi, same fucking egotistical prick, but now he just has a metal hand and because he survived the fall, it won't be great. Sorry, Spiro. But if they bring him back and he's disheartened, he's gr- uh, uh, grizzled, grizzled. And jaded and hates the Jedi and hates the Sith. And he's like in the middle, like the Bendu and chooses the, both the light and the dark. And somehow they intertwine that to make sense in the story. Then they just add another layer to the character. Yeah. And that's what you need to do. You got to bring these, these characters forward. You got to make them change with every single story. And that's that's what good writing is about. You know, many people may not know this, Papa Don, but. My my goal in life not, not, was not to become a doctor, was to become a comic book writer. I never did it because I was like, eh, I was a little afraid to, you know, to get in there and get it done. But uh, it, I did a lot of writing stuff, a lot of writing courses, a lot of stuff. And you need to bring those, you need to bring your characters to a different place where they started their adventure to where they finish it in every single story. So I have not, an idea. Nobody cares. Tell me. Let's Let's put out a comic, you and I. Me and you, eh? You want to do more things with me? Jesus Christ, I see you more than I see my wife right now. No, I'm being serious, Doc. You can write it. I can pencil it. You can make this work. It'll be called The Adventures of Brandon Mother, Brandon Miller's Mom's Asshole. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm being serious. You're being a jerk. Okay. So, <laughs> we'll, Spiro. We'll, we'll talk off the air, okay? Okay. Uh, Spiro, let us know what you think is more over. O-T or me, I'm sorry. OG Maul, a.k.a. Darth Maul. Or spider legs, robo legs more. All right, so who's more over? Um, you know, spider legs more. You know, that sounds like a cool breakdancing name, actually. But 
you know that that's a pretty cool design man it's like the stuff of nightmares it's something that would be insane to see in a live action film you know um but you know that wasn't Maul at his best. You know, that was Maul at his worst, man. That was Maul at his lowest, you know. Um, Maul lost his mind. Maul wasn't himself. His brother went and saved him. Then we got Bionic Legs Maul. And, you know... I think that Bionic Legs Mall is even more over than actual Mall Legs Mall. Okay, because that's when, you know, we got to see Mall at his best. That's when we finally got to see the animal, the savage animal, the, the tool, the instrument of death that, that he was. We saw him evolve into something better, you know, more intelligent more calculating um so that's who's more over with me guys is bionic is bionic legs more all right good good uh good stuff great stuff spiro that was great so doc do you want me to go first you want to go first um you go first all right so just so just that we're on the same side on the same page here um the robo legs meaning what? Meaning meaning Spider Mole that even that's found in the planet yeah. by Savage Press. And then afterward and afterwards as well, where when um the Night Sisters fixed his brain and turns his spider legs into robo legs and then yeah. even even moving forward into the Clone Wars. Yes, sir. Let's with, do both. Fuck it. Okay. Now I'm gonna pick spider legs and 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 uh robo leg Darth Maul because like I said before. Before his demise in episode one, all he was was a cool, flipping, kicking, silent assassin who was an apprentice to the Sith Lord. He was a weapon. That's all he was. Uh, uh, And uh, it was a cool take. In my opinion, he's the best looking Star Wars character of all time, visually. Um, You know, second being Boba Fett, but, you know, like an eyelash away. but I love the maturity of the character in the sense that he didn't mature as far as his anger and his hate goes, because we saw that he never grew from that retrospect when he died in Rebels. But him being a manipulator, becoming a crime boss and taking over the underworld of the galaxy far, far away, um, becoming the Mandalore of Mandalore. Uh, you know, and wielding the dark saber, hitting all these accomplishments that, in my opinion, if Maul stayed as apprentice to, to Sidious, would have never accomplished anything, shows me that he manifested into a different character, a better character. So for me, that character is over. Now, granted, Granted, like I said, his overall arc is going to be the guy who always fails. Um, so nothing changes in that retrospect. He failed in episode one. He fails throughout everything else. Um, but in the same time and in between time, I still feel that Maul, after he came back with the spider legs and the robo legs, even in Rebels when he had the hood on and he tried to play uh, the old master, 
to uh, Ezra, Ezra. Yep. was still another as- another aspect, a different layer than what he had in Clone Wars. And he, you know, it was also a different take, which was also awesome. So to me, it's going to be more after Spider Legs. Yeah. Um, you know, visually, when you look at both characters, they are both really stunning. I mean, when we first, I remember the first time I saw Darth, Darth Maul uh, right before Phantom Menace came out, and it was like, what the fuck is this thing? It was just insanity, uh, you know, nightmare-inducing, frightening. And I said to myself, I said, how is George going to pull this off with this fucking thing who looks more menacing than Darth Vader? It's, it's crazy, crazy. Um, and then they got a guy like Ray, Por- Ray Park to play him, who is phenomenal, a, a phenomenal, you know, martial artist and, you know, actor and an all-around great guy. So he, he had all the soup to be exactly what, you know, we needed as Star Wars fans in the in the late in the late 90s, early 2000s. And then he dies. And then we, you know, watch Phantom Menace. And as much as I was gutted by seeing Qui-Gon go in, you know, the, the five minutes before we saw Maul go, the second Maul bites it, I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, how do you do that to a character that looks so amazing like this? It really didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, with that said. I, you know, I disagree with Brandon when t- talking about that, that they, when they brought him back, it was a disservice to the character. I think it was a good service to the character. Like, I think it was a character that we needed to see more fleshed out from. And I'm totally fine with that because I'm used to seeing that all across the comic book world, the movie world. It doesn't matter. Like I said prior. Um, and when he got those spider legs and when he got those metallic legs, it kind of brought him to a different level. It was really, you know, you took a character that was super menacing. And super frightening and made him even more menacing and even more frightening by doing that to him. Um, like the stuff that true nightmares are made of. And he was de- he developed into a much broader and deeper character from those stories. So I was happy he had came back. And like you said, I think you're right. You know, I never thought about it before that they were two different people. But Darth Maul and Maul are definitely two different people. <clears throat> I think he even grew further than that when he became the, you know, the, the crime boss that we still have yet to see. The, um, in um, in the solo stuff that uh, you know, makes solo two happen stuff. So, for me, it's a tough choice because I really I have a lot of ties to the to the OG uh, mall, but I have a lot of great respect for the stuff that Filoni did and everybody else did to flesh that character further out with the spider legs. But on a visual standpoint, I think if I had one of them chasing after me. The one that I would not want to be in front of is the spider legs uh, because potentially I could outrun, you know, Darth Maul. I hope um, I doubt it. Um, so for me, it's going to be spider legs. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, that was, would you spit out a pube just now? What? Would you spit out a pube? No. Why? <laughs> Bit my nail. Spit <laughs> it out. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was. Who's moreover uh, again. You guys want to chime in? Add your thoughts? We welcome them. Newforceorder at yahoo.com. So, um, Doc, gaming. We know you and I aren't big gamers, but there's a rumor that the Mandalorian game could fill the hole left by Star Wars 1313. You know what 1313 is? It's a video game that they were supposed to make at some point that revolved around no Jedi's. No Sith, just bounty hunters, I believe, correct? 
Absolutely. So uh, I don't know what to think about it. To be honest with you, I'm not a gamer. You're not a gamer. I mean, even though we both have game, we don't play video games that much. We'll leave it to the guy who has no game and plays a lot of video games. So, Mr. Darth Great yourself, what's your thought about the, the Mandalorian filling the hole left by Star Wars 1313? Okay, I see his take. Not bad. It was great. It was great. Good job. Um, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, the infamous missing hut planet. Did you read this? I saw briefly that, you know, they talked about this uh, during the game, that there was some kind of hut planet that was supposed to be explored initially. It was developed and they never threw it in the game or something. And people are cl- kind of clamoring now. How many years later? 14 years later to have this uh, this planet, you know, get pushed back into the into the game. Yeah, it's supposed to be some kind of gladiator like planet Hulk style style type of planet. That'd be cool. Where you start off and you got to fight in the arena and work your way out to try to win your freedom to escape the world. That's, That's run by cool. Huts. Um, yeah, they didn't have enough time to make it right, so they didn't. They cut it out. It made the uh, out of the game, and a lot of people are pissed off. We're trying to find out the most info they could find out about it. It's like a hot button topic around the uh, non-canon water Star cooler. Wars water cooler filled of uh, revving piss. Uh, so, uh, Spiro, what's your take on this matter? So, Star Wars thirteen thirteen is like. Talk about the greatest cock tease in the history of fucking Star Wars, man. Especially for us gamers, you know. Um, this was, you know, when you when you hear that the footage was compared to Uncharted and Gears of War, it's like when you marry and you blend those two styles of fucking gameplay, it only makes sense. And it's the only way that you can make a proper game that takes place in the underground of the Star Wars universe that's centered around bounty hunters because you want the combat physics and mechanics of Gears of War, but you definitely got to have the adventure aspects and elements of um, Uncharted, both great games, both games that broke records and sold extremely well. That said, you know, hey, uh, you know, they're making a Mandalorian game now and it only makes sense to revisit the well. Okay. Um, and and do that and do what you're going to do with 1313 with this, but 10, 20 times better because years later, here we are, uh, gaming has made insane advances technologically and uh you know listen hollywood is using gaming technology to make movies so what does that say you know for for many years and still to this day a lot of games are more entertaining than most hollywood films you know storyline wise action sequence wise uh cinematography shit man and you know, I think that that uh, the Mandalorian game could probably be the best Star Wars game ever, and could probably even be one of the greatest video games of all time. You know, I mean, it, you know, just get you know get the right story, use the right elements as far as gameplay, 
you know, and uh, right now we're in, you know, we're in a new generation of, of uh, consoles. You know, PC gaming is always going to have the advantage with uh, a lot of things. Um, but listen, man, it's it's an exciting time. It's, you know, uh, Disney has the money to throw at all these fucking projects and it looks like they're going to do it. Because you know what, it makes sense. If it makes sense, it makes dollars. You know, uh, you know, if it, if it makes dollars, it makes sense. I mean, you know, chicken soup, fucking shit salad, fucking whatever. And lastly, another Knights of the Republic uh, article that came out saying that they showed the Knights of the Old Republic showed the true power of the dark side. So I don't know anyone else better to amplify concur or uh, or give us his own analysis on this matter than Darth Spirit on himself. So, oh great one. Let us know what you think about this. Listen, man. Players of the uh, Old Republic MMORPG, right? Um, what these guys were trying to do with this missing hub planet is is pretty much in that game you know you go to this planet and it's controlled by the by the uh, i forgot his name now fuck uh the the fucking emperor man valkorian who's actually darth vitiate in disguise anyways on this planet there's there's this thing where where there's like a gladiator-esque type of fucking thing going on where you gotta go up the fucking ranks and you gotta not only fight against you fight bounty hunters you fight assassins you even fight creatures in this shit and you and as you move up you gotta become the fucking champion in order to you know pass that portion of the storyline in order to progress on um you know so you you got some of that going on right now if if you're playing uh the old republic mmorpg that said i think that what these guys were trying to do and and couldn't complete due to time constraints would have been probably better maybe you know because it seems like this would have been like something out of this world it would have been the main focus of this planet i don't know uh maybe they they can do this with the Mandalorian game or maybe they can include this in the uh MMORPG whatever man i would love to see it you know you know and if we can't get it in a game man you know give it to us in form of uh you know one of these shows give it to us maybe in the next trilogy you know give it to us in you know some animated feature coming up or something you know but yeah, man, uh, you know, anything involving the huts and again, those who who play the uh, old Republic MMORPG know that there's the rise of the huts storyline. Um, maybe they can revisit the huts and maybe include this in there. I don't know. Again, this guy's a poet. He didn't even know it. Doc. Great. It's great. It's great. It's great. You know what else is great? Lists. Do you like lists? I like lists. Uh, Good, because you just made the list. You just made the list. Oh. <laughs>
you got you, you, you got me there, buddy. You got me there. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, we do a segment where we analyze lists that come out about Star Wars on the interweb. So this is gonna be a short segment. There's only two lists. Uh, two, Sweet. two. So Doc, which one do you want? Uh, I don't know. I'm pulling it up right now. You you grab one. I don't care. All right, Mandalorian. Ten things that annoyed. Uh, even dedicated fans. So let's see what this uh, list says from uh, CBR.com. The Mandalorian, 10 things that annoyed even dedicated fans. Uh, number 10, the Republic's lack of focus on the Outer Rim. Okay. You like focus, uh, Anakin. The Outer Rim is so huge, it's hard to grab, get a good grasp on it, right? Yeah, yeah. well, listen, every once in a while, you just got to grab both cheeks and push it right. Up. Well, I think we're talking about a different Outer Rim. <laughs> is that your call, Fred? <laughs> That's the outer outer rim job. <laughs> uh, number nine, using it to orchestrate too many spinoffs. I don't think that was a bad idea. No, I don't think it's a bad idea at all. Throwing numbers of existing characters that appeared in season two of The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah, terrible thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Too many mysteries saying that the... Uh, Said like like baby Grogu and all that stuff when where he was and his species and yada yada yada. Uh, the fact that Boba Fett's story took over the series and outshined, did, but did it? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think it was a, it was on par, man. That just shows you the power of Boba. Number five, continually going back to Tatooine. Fuck that. I like Tatooine. Tough shit. It's better. It's better than fucking Bach too, or than fucking Dantooine. Yeah, right. Offshore stories that don't further the plot, like Frog Lady. Um, over reliant on Grogu at times. He's the heart and soul of the show, dummy. Yeah, he's the face that makes the, the story. The story of Mando's co- covert, or covert. Uh, Evan. No covert. C o v e r t. When Mando took the assignment to hunt down Grogu, he was living in Navarro with the rest of his secret Mandalorian covert. Fans will eventually learn that this was a splinter sect of Mandalorian culture with some exceedingly uncompromising views of life. The Imperial Remnant slaughtered the covert while Mando was away, leaving only Dinjarin and the armor alive. This was dangling plot thread left in season one that was ignored in season two. The backstory of the covert needs to be discussed, as does the fate of the armor. Okay, fine. Whatever. No clear path after Groku's departure. This is a horseshit list. Well, I mean, we haven't seen anything. Yeah, I mean, once again, once you finish one story, you got to dovetail into the next one. Who the fuck knows? But it's got to bring the character forward, and then definitely, you know, these two seasons definitely put Dinjarin in a different headspace than he was when we first met him. Listen, even if there is no season three, and and the season two was the end of the series. They ended it perfectly. Yes. The story was tied up with a nice little bow. Yep. And they could spin it off to a Luke series with Grogu, where Dinjarin may jump in time from time to time, you know? But regardless, that's not the case, hopefully. But even if that was the case, worst case scenario, we got two strong episodes. I mean, two strong seasons. Of the best Star Wars since the OT trilogy. So Yeah, that we've seen in a long, long, long time. All right, next one. Go, Doc. You're up. All right, here we go. Uh, Ten familiar voices behind the characters and where you know them from the Clone Wars. Nope, that wasn't on the list. That wasn't on the list? I got that one, though. That was... No, dude. I don't have that. 
you sent you, you sent it to me, my friend. But I'll read the other list. Oh, no, go 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 with it. Just go with it. Okay, here we go. All right. So these are Clone Wars character actors that appear in other shows. Number ten, Tom Kane is the voice of Professor Utonium from the Powderpuff Girls. Uh, he did Master of Yoda's voice, so he was also on that as well. Okay, here we go. Matt Leitner is the voice of Flash Thompson from the Spider-Man cartoon. He did Anakin Skywalker. Dee Bradley Baker is the voice of Baby Animal from Muppet Babies. And we know Dee Bradley <laughs> Baker as the voice of all the clones. Uh, James Arnold Taylor is the voice of Ratchet from Ratchet and Clink. He also did Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, T.C. Carson is the voice of Kratos. Oh, fellow Greek over there from uh, the God of War series. He also was in Star Wars. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Star Wars Clone Wars. He was Samuel L. Jackson, a.k.a. Mace Windu. Ashley Eckstein is the voice of Cheetah and Catwoman in the DC stuff. And we know Ashley Eckstein is the voice of Ahsoka Tano. Catherine Tabor is the voice of Lori Loud on a show called... Uh, he, she does Padme, but she's on a show called The Loud House. Uh, Nikki, Nika Futterman is the voice of Catwoman in a The Brave and the Bold, which is a great TV show from about 10 years ago. She's also on that show, Loud House. And Corey Burton, voice of Brainiac from the uh, uh, Superman, the Injustice League animated series. He also voiced Count Dooku. And Phil Lamar, the voice of Samurai Jack, also did for Star Wars... Um, Bell Ganner, Clue Lesser, Brother Lamiki, and a bunch of other different things. Amazingly shitty list. All right. I don't recall sending you that, but we went with it. Next one, the Mandalorian 10 Greatest Allies Ranked. Uh, let's see. Number 10, Cobb Vance. Number 9, Peli Moto. Peli. Number 8, Grief Karga. Number seven, Cara Dune. Number six, Migs Mayfield. Number five, Ahsoka Tana. Number four, IG-11. Number three, Bo-Katan. Casca Reeves and Axe Wolves. Number two, Boba Fett. And number one, Quill. Uh, you know what? I think Quill deserves that number one spot. He definitely was one of the ones that helped him the most. Interesting enough, though, they, you know, they, they put Cara Dune so far down that list, which was... Uh... I think a disservice to her. I agree. I totally agree. I think she should have been ranked a little higher. Maybe IG uh, 11 a little lower. I don't know. Whatever. Wasn't that bad. All right. We do a segment here called From a Certain Point of View. Doc, do you want to introduce that segment? I can. So uh, in the New Force Order here, a little podcast, we do a segment called From a Certain Point of View from that famous line that Obi-Wan Kenobi tells uh, Luke Skywalker. You know, from what I told you was true from a certain point of view. But instead of lying to, you know, the, the masses like uh, Obi-Wan did, we look at a certain scene, a certain motion, a certain line from Star Wars. We break it down uh, because when you heard it initially, it may have meant something to you or it may have meant nothing to you. But then when new things come out, when we learn more things about the universe far, far away, that scene, that line, that motion may mean something different to you from a certain point of view. You have a topic, or do you want me to shoot off the cuff, big guy? What do you got for me? The Jedi's were the Jedi were always destined to lose and never 
overcame their hubris. I think we did this one already. You think so? I believe so. All right. Well, the, why that? Well, that's the topic. And what do I mean from a certain point of view? <sighs> they always say Obi Wan and and Yoda in the OT. They have that definitive line of the dark side and the light. All right. You can't be in the middle like the Bendu. But Luke has to break through the flaws of the Jedi Council, Yoda, Obi-Wan, that we see, and also the Council that we see in the prequels. Because he embraces the dark side without falling to it. This may also be what helps him save his father from the dark side. So if he didn't incorporate the dark side, and you see him choke out the Gamorrean guards in the beginning. You see him give in to his anger. And that's what helps him beat his father in Return of the Jedi until he yep. realizes he's, he becomes his father when he chops off his hand, as we talked about in the past. Um, so if he doesn't delve into the dark side, which is forbidden by the Jedi, he would never have defeated and won. Uh, the Emperor. He would never have defeated the Emperor. He would never have had Anakin come back to the light or Vader turn back to Anakin and then go to the light side of the Force. So, if the Jedi followed all their strict rules and Yoda and Obi-Wan continued to follow the path that was set before them that they learned from, they would have done the job. They would have lost. Which means that in order to beat your enemy... You must know your enemy. Yes, that's and a that very is, big uh, Shinsu. Yeah, but it's also stated by Maul in Rebels when Ezra bumps into him. In order, in order to beat your enemy, you must know his strengths and his weaknesses and his power. And it's find out about it because learning learning anything from the dark side is forbidden, according to the Jedi, and that's one of their rules. So he was being trained by the Jedi to follow those rules, even in the OT. But because he didn't, it kind of delved into the dark side, unbeknownst to him that it was subconsciously or consciously, that was the win. That was a straw that broke the camel's back and helped him win. Yeah. So don't you think it's a little contradictory? Don't you think that uh, because I, of that, I the Jedi was I always... I think it's, yeah. I think it's, very con- I think it's very contradictory uh, because if they you know, weren't learning about the Sith and who the Sith were and, and, and learning how the dark side operates, then, you know, they're going to be caught off guard and, and for the most part blinded when they were faced with the dark side. But we, you know, we talked, we previously talked about this. It was the fact that they had to just assume that, you know, there was no Sith anymore, that they were gone, that they were, that they were dead and they got complacent in their teachings and in their style and in their concern about the Sith. And then when they were blindsided by Palpatine, that's when shit hit the fan for them. So it makes to me, you know, perfect sense that their hubris is what their ultimate downfall was, because I'm sure um, I'm curious to actually think, but, you know, during the times of the High Republic, when the Sith were still active, were the Sith active in the High Republic? No, no. When, when they when when they were active in the in the Knights of the Old Republic, how much the Jedi were actually learning about them and learning about the dark side to potentially um 
to potentially, you know, win that battle? And did they make a conscious effort to not do that anymore after a certain period of time or something had happened? I don't know. Maybe that's a spiritual question. Um, it's a, it's, it will be the downfall of all, of all combatants when they do not know their enemy, if they go in blind, you know, good boxers, good fighters, study tape on their enemy and they see how they fight. They see how they move. They see what setups that they could, you know, read off of them. And if you do not do that, you are going to be destined to lose. So you concur with the notion that if Luke's, Stuck to the rules that were adhered to him by Yoda and by Obi Wan, they would have lost yet again. Yeah, I, I think we've already established the fact that Luke kind of blazed his own trail, even when he was, you know, young Luke in Empire Strikes Back, doing what he what he wanted to do. We talked about that last week of the fact yeah. that if he did, if he didn't face Vader at that point, and didn't understand, you know, then to find out that his was his father, he wouldn't have had that fire underneath his ass to save him and, and, and to do what he had to do. He may have even quit at that point. Who knows? Um, especially if he would have killed his friends. So I, you know, I think Luke being the, you know, the, the ultimate rebel that he is. Um, and despite the fact that these guys told him you have to do it this way, did it the way that he wanted to do it. I think what, what catapulted him past the emperor and catapulted him to the place where the Jedi could not do you know, in in mass. I mean, how many Jedi were alive when when this went down? Lots, and it was just him when he did it. So he had to do something different. All right. So there you have it from a certain point of view, Spiro. What's your take on the matter? The Jedi Council is forever destined to fail. Okay. They have the most unrealistic approach with their self righteous bullshit. Okay. Um. You know. Look at guys like Anakin Skywalker. Look at Luke Skywalker, you know, who fucking saved the the Republic, who, you know, who who won the war f for them. Look at guys like Revan, who is canon, by the way, and a few others, a few others who, you know, dabbled. And, yeah, maybe they did go full dark side, but at the end of the day, man, the, these were the true badasses of the Jedi Council. Okay. You know, I mean, you can't go to war and not get blood on your hands. Okay. You know, you, you can't have sex with a wild bitch, a fucking info, and I go balls deep. Okay. I mean, just like in life, man, you know, I think we all have a, a bad side in us that, you know, the true winners, the true victors, you know, dig deep and go to that place and perform on a higher level. That's what, you know, that's what wins the basketball games. That's what wins the fight. That's what, you know, gets you that, that business deal, you know, man. So the Jedi, you know, they, they try to preach all this bullshit, you know, man, they want to be the self-righteous fucking religious zealots and shit you know and look at them look at them all they do is fucking fail man when you really look look at it the jedi always fucking fail in the end man okay luke's victory was not a jedi victory okay because the fucking jedi order was all all done was fucking 
you know, stomped out. Okay, so... So that's that, man. You know? Hmm. I'm not surprised he picked that. He went down that path. It was a great path, though, Spiro. Good job. Great job. Good job. Great. Anything else you want to add, Doc? That's it, man. Let's bring the bad boy home. Yeah. All right. Well, let them know where they can find you guys at. You can find me at Dr. D-R underscore Destroyo. D-E-S-T-R-R-O-I-O Instagram. Alex Royo Facebook. Alex Royo MD on Twitter. And yeah, man, it's been great. But you can also find me uh, on Instagram. Spiro underscore A. Darth underscore Spiridon. And that's it, guys. Well, you can find me at Greek God Papadon on uh, Instagram and on Twitter. Pro Wrestling T slash Greek God Papadon is the Pro Wrestling T store. You get your GGP t-shirts. Uh, Demetrius Papadon on Facebook. And again, if you're a, a fan of the show and you want a friend request, me, send me a message telling me you're a fan of the NFL. And I'll accept your friend request. There's a lot of creepers out there. Um, and you can go uh, on my YouTube page, Greek God Papadon, where you can see matches and promos. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hanging with us. Hopefully we enlightened you, we entertained you, and uh, you had a good time. Uh, this has been another exciting edition of the new Force Order. Forever. And that's just too sweet. Henceforth, you shall be known as the new Force Order. <laughs>